coming up on this week's podcast. We may put forth the effort in, in our work, in our little niche, our tiny little area, but God's going to take that effort and he's going to use it in a way that accomplishes this purpose. Now that's incredible, that God can take what we do in our effort, and that's why he commands us to do it, and have that be something that is essential to the rest of the body and really does assist in transforming lives. Stay tuned for more. And welcome to another New Hope Chapel podcast. Located in Arnold, Maryland, New Hope Chapel is a vibrant church committed to biblically-based teaching, often focusing on discovering the Jewish roots of the faith. You can find out more about our church at newhopechapel.org. Now, here's Stephen Coleman with today's message. Good morning. Glad to see so many of you here. Not that I was being pessimistic, but you never know on a change Sunday uh, what's going to happen. It's always fun in the fall just to kind of come early with those that forget and hang out and <laughs> talk. <laughs> Um, have you ever done anything uh, that ended up impacting events or people well beyond what you were anticipating? You know, in 1942, a guy we would not ordinarily remember, Harry, Harry Cover and his team actually worked for Kodak, and they, he was busy developing a plastic, a clear plastic gun sight for the uh, military. Um, and he worked with uh, cyanocrylates, or crylites, uh, but he rejected that substance as being too sticky. About uh, eight or nine years later, he, he started working with them again when he was uh, trying to make uh, canopies for jet aircraft. But again, they couldn't solve the stickiness problem. Well, uh, several years after that, he uh, ended up marketing his uh, material as superglue, which, uh, which has had a tremendous impact. Uh, what happened, though, uh, after his career was over in the Vietnam War, they started using it as a, a tissue bonding substance. And now many people worldwide, uh, after surgical procedures, get a superglued uh, incision and uh, way beyond what uh, Harry could ever have thought. You know, I'm sure that the Dixie Cup company, when they uh, developed paper cups, didn't, never thought that on the trail of solving the problem of cold and then hot beverages in the cup would create an opportunity for an entire enterprise to, to grow. But, uh, but they did. Well, we're going to talk about uh, some ways as we wrap up this series on living sacrifice, some ways in which we as living sacrifices, we as members of the body of Christ, we who have been given a gift, a spiritual gift by the Lord, uh, can use that and end up with an impact far beyond what we can imagine. So if you, turn, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Romans 12, and uh, I'll ask... Um, well, actually, we'll hold that for a minute. Romans chapter 12, we're going to read, uh, read the verses 
connected with this. We've had six-week series. Justin and Carl have anchored it, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm here to put the period on, on the end of this series. And we've talked about a lot of things. We've talked about a living sacrifice. We've talked about being a worshiper on kind of a 24-7 basis, making our lifestyle as we sacrifice ourselves to God, as we become available to him to be in a constant state of worship. We've heard about uh, the transformation that God makes in us through renewed mind. Uh, Carl picked that up in the second session. Uh, We've learned about the humility we need to have. We've learned about the church uh, in all its forms. The local church, as it's called, which would be a good example, is New Hope Chapel. The visible church, as they call it, or, or the believers that exist on this planet at this, this given time, uh, that, that group that is a representation of Christ here, and then what they call a church universal, which is composed of all believers, living and dead, uh, who, uh, uh, who are part of this body that, that Christ has pulled together. And uh, a lot of metaphors are used, a body, a building, uh, the bride of Christ, we're called, and that certainly fits the universal church. Well, let's take a look at Romans 12, and we're going to read down through verse 11. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view, thanks, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function... So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I have a handout here that's going to facilitate us. If, if you gentlemen would uh, pass that out. A lot of ground to cover with uh, wrapping things up. You can't leave it for the next person. All those things that are left get passed down the line and, and, and they're here. But we're going to be covering uh, three things this morning. What are the gifts of the Spirit? How do I discover my gift? And why is it important to use my gift? So to help us along, 
uh, because the clock keeps moving, we're going to use this uh, piece of paper to sort of aid us in, in working through some of this. It would take a, a good while to talk through it and make it understandable. A picture sometimes is worth those thousand words. So on the handout is a list of gifts provided us in the New Testament. Spiritual gifts occur in four places, and they're kind of easy to remember. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, so there's two chapter 12s, and then Ephesians chapter 4 and 1 Peter chapter 4, so two fours, two fours and two twelves. And you have uh, three of the passages here in columns, Romans, Corinthians, and Ephesians, uh, note at the bottom on your paper indicates that in the sec- First Peter 4 passage, it just refers to two gifts, speaking, and I've forgotten the other one, but it's listed on your paper. Uh, these have more extensive listings. The uh, first half of chapter 12 in First Corinthians, uh, there's a set, and then in the second, last half of the chapter, 28, verses 28 through uh, 30. Just a couple of observations. You know, Carl emphasized in his message last week that these gifts are given by God. They come to us when we become believers, when we be, uh, come into the body of Christ and we're baptized by the Holy Spirit, we're sealed with that Spirit. Uh, we, what comes with that is a spiritual gifting. And um, uh, we... We're not going to have time to try to dissect and go through all this, but let's make a few observations. The metaphor that's used uh, is of a body, and that each part is important, and that each part is different and unique in what it supplies. Uh, 1 Corinthians goes into that a great deal. We read that last week when Carl had the sort of antiphonal speaking and people getting up and getting down. Uh, The gifts are given for the good of the body, emphasized again last week. Uh, A question, though, that that I have. Some of these gifts, uh, service, encouraging, giving, showing mercy, aren't these the kinds of things that we're all asked to do in the New Testament? We're all supposed to exhibit those qualities. Well, why do they show up as spiritual gifts? I think one of the reasons is because people with a gifting in that area have a special sensitivity on when that's used. So if you have somebody, say, with the gift of giving, this is somebody that's always popping up at the right moment with what, exactly what is needed for that time. I think there's a second dimension to that as well. And I think people with gifts in these areas that represent sort of common functions... I think these are people that as they exercise their gifts, they actually serve as a catalyst, a motivator for everyone else in that area. I spent uh, some time overseas. I was in New Zealand at a camp. It was called uh, Kiwi Ranch in Rotorua, New Zealand. But I met there, that was many years ago, a, um, a guy that uh, worked in the kitchen. He did the cooking for him and everything. Uh, he had no charisma to him. He was just a plain, ordinary guy, very quiet, very unassuming, uh, would not be somebody that you'd ever notice or pick out of a crowd. But he stood out because everything was service to him. 
I think that was his gift. He quietly did what was needed. No fanfare, no credit. He didn't say, oh, we need, we need somebody to clean out that air. Well, I'll roll up my sleeves. I'm not too good for that job. And, and, and he would just quietly do it and then move on. Not looking for credit, not looking for fanfare. You wanted to be like him, as I got to know him over those weeks. I started complaining less about things that I had to do. And I started to look for opportunities to do things instead of, um, uh, you know, waiting until the need was great and, and I could, could swoop in and take care of it. And uh, I learned to just do it without announcement and move on. Valuable lessons. Well, his gift of serving helped me learn to serve better and, and have that character quality in myself. Another, another example, uh, this guy worked for a drug company, but he loved working with youth. He, he often took um, youth retreats, was a speaker at them. He had a terrific quality. He loved these kids. And you couldn't be in a conversation with him where there's, you know, there's always three or four people standing around. You wouldn't be there long until he figured out a question to ask somebody that hadn't said anything yet and draw them into the conversation. Always found ways to make sure people felt noticed and felt that somebody was interested in them. It was remarkable to see him work. And it opened my eyes to realize the number of people that we go through life and we treat them as if they're invisible. They're not part of what's right in front of our nose, and so we just don't, don't give them a passing thought or, uh, or a nod. George Mueller is always a classic example. He had the gift of faith. And very evident as you read the writings. And part of the reason that he's had such an impact, and he's had an impact on hundreds of thousands of people, is that uh, we've got biographies and, and the things written down. But if, if you don't know him, uh, he started an orphanage, one of the first in... Um, in England, and he determined uh, not only not to fundraise, but he didn't even make needs known outside of his prayer time with God. He made his needs known to God. And uh, the orphanage grew and grew, and, you know, it, it, uh, it stayed afloat. It's a remarkable testimony to a man of faith. Well, you read that, it's inspiring. And realize that as you face something that's difficult, you've seen, you've seen the story, you've read the story, there's the track record, God comes through. Well, what are the total number of gifts? Uh, there's some overlap, obviously, on these lists, and I believe you could end up with about 15 to 17 gifts. Uh, are there gifts not listed? Many people think so. It's possible. Uh, there's about 30 entries in these four passages, and you know I think they seem to cover uh, most of the qualities we see in action in the church today. But there's a lot of discussion on that, a lot of reading you could do on the gifts. Uh, but determining exactly how many gifts there are is not as important as developing and using our gifts. So how do I discover my gift? Well, that's where the second half of the page comes in. I've gone through Romans 12, which is a great passage for talking about gifts because I think embedded in there are some ideas that have already been talked about in our six-week series here 
that will help you get to uh, a functioning state and a state where you, you, you can get to know what your spiritual gift is. I think making a definite prayerful decision each day to offer yourself to God, as Romans 12.1 captures, and, and Justin articulated in our first message in the series, uh, is a, a critical way to put yourself in the mindset, in the position to be looking for what God's trying to do through you during the day. Uh, Justin's 40 days devotional challenge. I don't know if we can encourage him to make this a 365-day challenge a year, but uh, a great opportunity just as a touchstone to remember that God's looking for us to be a living sacrifice. Uh, Having a renewed mind. Uh, not letting the world's way of life, its ambitions and all the temptations that we have, not let them uh, get a stranglehold on our life, but renew our minds every day through prayer and Bible reading. It's important to that transformation process in Romans 12 too, and we'll mention that a little bit later. Uh, The third step, establishing a right view of yourself, again, to make sure that nothing gets in the way of you serving the Lord. Uh, in this particular case, it, you, pride and self-importance really hasn't, has, uh, uh, is a threat to appropriate service. And then recognize that the gift is already within you. God says you've been given a spiritual gift. And get involved in ministry enthusiastically. Now, not based out of Romans 12, but just... Um, some other advice, additional actions you can take. I think asking God to lead you to your gift, very appropriate. Uh, it talks about knowing what the will of the Lord is uh, based on being a living sacrifice in Romans 12.1. And so that's very appropriate to do. Ask God to lead you to your gift. Uh, get feedback on your ministry experiences. Evaluate them yourself. Not because we have some success model with them, but the uh, feedback is going to give you information for maybe more mature Christians getting their advice. What do you see as the spiritual fruit that God's trying to bring out of my life and what I do? Uh, That's important because you want to begin concentrating your efforts toward fulfilling an effective service. God has a gift for you. He wants to use that gift through the con- in the context of your personality, the talents that you have, perhaps, but not necessarily. And that's going to be something that's going to bring spiritual fruit within the body, in other be- believers' lives. And you need to be focusing on that function uh, so that that's provided to the body. Expect confirmation of your gift by God. Okay, why is it important to use my gift? You know, I, I don't know if you're thinking, okay, I, I hear all about these gifts. Is this really kind of a clever way to sort of get all the jobs at New Hope Chapel filled? And no, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's both not clever and it's not aimed for that purpose. Uh, that's not what this is about. Uh, This is about what God is trying to do in our lives, in the lives of other believers, and in the world, and even beyond beyond that. Uh, 
God wants us to grow to the full measure of the stature of Christ. In Ephesians 4, which is one of the passages that lists gifts, it's the fourth column on the page. But within that context, it says it was Christ who gave all those gifts uh, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And it goes on. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown, uh, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up to become in every respect the mature body of him who is that head, Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. God is saying that the gifts given to the body are for the purpose of building each member of the body toward maturity. Well, that does mean you and I. It also means everybody else in the church. Everyone, the whole body. God's plan is to take our lives, which were broken by sin, and we were dead spiritually, and he, he gave us new life. But even since then, we've scarred our lives at times by our own disobedience, our stubbornness, hard-heartedness, egocentric selfishness, our own angry thoughts or critical words, our own lies and stealing. And every way that we have, by our actions, sort of denied our Lord, denied that Christ has made that change in our lives. And he wants to take us, in spite of this scarring, and transform us into the image of Christ, the measure of the full stature of Christ. It's an incredible uh, offer, an opportunity. But it isn't just a consumer mentality here. Yeah, great. That's going to happen to us. But his desire is to see that happen to every member of the body of the Christ. And that includes the people sitting in the same row as you are. But it also includes people that live in Indonesia and people that uh, live in Afghanistan and people that uh, make uh, one-third the money that you do. And it includes people that uh, have never yet seen civilization. So we may put forth the effort in, in our work, in our little niche, our tiny little area, but God's going to take that effort and he's going to use it in a way that accomplishes this purpose. Now that's incredible. That God can take what we do in our effort, and that's why he commands us to do it, and have that be something that is essential to the rest of the body and really does assist in transforming lives. It's God's work, though. You know, he designed exercising our gifts to build the body as the normal expression of our new life. We're just acting the way we're supposed to be acting as we integrate ourselves with everyone else. Okay, the second, uh, a second way that uh, 
that God intends... Oh, you know, I got too far. Maturity to the body, right. Uh, a, a second thing is that there is a plan that God has for the body and its functioning that is way beyond what we can imagine. It says in Ephesians 3.10, again, that same, uh, the same book that has a list of gifts, but the book of Ephesians is about the church. And he, he talk, Paul talks a lot about the uh, integration into the body of uh, those that are slave and those that are freemen and those uh, uh, different cultures. Even the, the Jews and merging into one body, the Gentiles. And that's the specific context of this verse. But also, uh, no male and female. No distinctions there. It's as far as our, um, our membership in the body, we are all members. But he says here that it was uh, his intent... It was, it was Christ who gave. That's the wrong verse. It was his intent through the church. That's God's intent, Christ's intent. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, that's interesting. The rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. Well, who were they? We don't know. But it's interesting how Paul uses those two terms, rulers and authorities, twice more in, in the book of Ephesians. One time is, you know, when you talk about the armor of God, and he introduces that whole section and says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Same two words in the same small epistle. Earlier in the book... In chapter 1, he talks about God raising Christ from the dead far above and raising him far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. So there's a definite sort of uh, negative connotation to this rulers and authority. Uh, They definitely are something to be reckoned with. He's identifying them three times here, Paul is. Uh, And he is saying that the church is going to be the representation, the expression of God's manifold wisdom to these rulers and authorities. Don't know who they are. Don't know exactly what that means. But that we, together, would be God's demonstration project of his wisdom is really mind-blowing. You know, kind of like in high school when you walk in and they always have that big display case in that main hallway has all the trophies from everywhere. It's displaying the, the school's prowess and its various uh, athletic or music or, or other endeavors. Well, we're kind of like that trophy case for God. And he says, that's my wisdom. Now, I don't feel much like I'm contributing to the wisdom of God. If wisdom was a game and we were out in the ball field and we were picking sides, I would never pick me to be on the team. I'd let the other group have them. Uh, It's just not uh, what we would think of. And again, 
It's amazing, but God wants our efforts. He wants us to offer ourselves as living sacrifices and serve, and then he's going to take that. And one of the things he's going to do with it is he's going to make it work in building the body to the extent that he will get glory and that his wisdom will be displayed not only in this world but well beyond this world. And uh, as, as the one verse indicated, um, on in the worlds to come. He uses our efforts to display his wisdom beyond the physical world. Talk about being involved in something bigger than yourself. That's just amazing. I hope we'll get a chance to find out about that uh, when we get to heaven, what that was all about. It'll be interesting to see it in hindsight. Well, there's one third way that we're going to talk about before we, uh, before we end, and that's in 1 Peter. Because God is interested... Yes, in the world to come, but also this present physical planet. And he says in, in Peter, and this has been read before in our series, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And he goes on to say, dear friends, I urge you, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among non-believers that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. So again, our little efforts, our, our, if, if our gift is encouraging, and so we take seriously that and look for ways to hone that gift and pray about who we could meet that day and encourage and uh, get practiced and skilled and spiritually sensitive on doing that. Uh, God says he's going to take that and he's going to make that impact the body. And then he's also saying here, uh, with the reference to uh, uh, us being a priesthood, he's going to take that and as priests who make Uh, who facilitate connection with God, with people. That's sort of the function of the priest, to be that spiritual representation and to bring people closer to God. We, the body of Christ, as individuals, also as a church as a whole, not this church, but the worldwide church, we are, God's going to take what we do and use it in a way that's going to, to impact, attract, and... Uh, eventually bring salvation to uh, people in the world. It's an amazing vision to understand it. And you know, he has done that. History is full of a mix of things, but there are many, many ways in which the church, God works through people to make things happen and impact. You may have seen the, um, the movie about William Wilberforce and the efforts that he did and how it directly resulted in the uh, abolition of slavery in Great Britain and its colonies. Uh, a lot of medicine uh, breakthroughs and things provided have come from people of faith trying to work 
and alleviate suffering for mankind. Uh, JARS, which is the Jungle Aviation and Radio Service and the Mission Aviation Fellowship, originally two mission societies designed to fly light planes back into these jungle regions to support missionary work, have ended up having a, a tremendous impact because they often are the only connection that these back areas have with any of society. So goods come in, medicine comes in, uh, they're hired by companies uh, that, are, that are trying to help these, these folks. So uh, there ends up being a, uh, a major impact. Julie, in her conference a little while ago, uh, there, there was a speaker there. I can't remember her name. She was a professor and an author. Uh, her focus was on uh, Africa. Uh, definitely not a believer but uh, was talking about uh, the church's impact. And she said that 85% of medical services provided in Africa currently are from faith-based groups. Uh, so there, there are those things. There, there are people in the body that I wonder, gee, that's, they're not headed the right direction. Not everything seems to be good. Uh, a, a guy I grew up with, uh, who's pastor of a church, now he, he uh, reaches a larger group. Uh, but uh, he has, uh, many years ago, gotten grave doubts about the atonement. And so he's, he's uh, uh, kind of off the beam a good bit. Yet another family friend of ours, uh, the husband and wife, came to know the Lord under his ministry and going great guns for the Lord, having a great impact. Here's a case of God taking uh, something, the things that are happening, the things that fall under the banner of, well, this is part of the church, and bringing good out of it and making it work. It's his job, uh, not ours. We've all heard testimonies of folks that have come to the Lord because of a tract they found, a little little thing about the Lord. And whether that was left deliberately by a Christian or whether it was discarded by somebody who wasn't interested in it anymore, but these people found it and, and, uh, and God used it. I had a neighbor, I grew up uh, across the street, one of our neighbors, uh, came to know the Lord through a hymn. It's the only person I've, I've ever heard of that just the hymn, the words of a hymn. He was in a relatively non-Christian environment, but a hymn was being sung, and the words caught his attention and came to know the Lord through the words of a hymn. You know, God is working, and he's working out his plan, and uh, he wants us to be a part of it, and it's, it's a grand plan beyond imagination, beyond the scope that we think uh, it, anything that we would contribute would be part of, but that's what it is. And he asks us to focus on serving him. And he's going to take us and he's going to polish us like a facet on a diamond. And if we all are mature, as Ephesians says, we, we grow up and we pursue what God wants us to be doing. And we, we're involved uh, every hour of every day, thinking in terms of God and worship for him and what we can do 
with what he's called us to do and given us gifting for, then he's going to be able to transform us. And that's polishing us as one facet. And together, because Christ is far more than showing mercy, that would be the the trait we would be expressing best if that's our gift. Christ had all the gifts. He's given each of us one gift. And as we are polished like facets, then the church as a whole represents Christ to the world. And just like a diamond, we'll be a part of that. But it's only because he is able to do the miraculous work of taking our efforts, which sometimes, even by our own measure, are feeble, but, but using that together. And that's what he's called us to. That's the grand thing. That, that we can be a part of by just obeying and following the steps that he's called us to do. And not worrying about, well, what's the diamond going to look like when this is done? That's God's business. We work on our facet. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We hope it was a blessing to you. New Hope Chapel is a vibrant ministry in Arnold, Maryland. We are a Christ-centered church with biblically-based teaching focused on the Jewish roots of the faith and committed to helping each person discover and use their spiritual gifts. If you're in the area, we would love for you to come and visit. You can find out more information about our church at newhopechapel.org. Subscribe to the New Hope Chapel podcast on iTunes, and you'll get the next podcast in your sleep. New Hope Chapel.